Our Bible passage is from Acts chapter 7, verses 54 through 60. Acts chapter 7, verses 54 through 60. It says this. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing him. Word of the Lord. All right, Elijah is thrilled that he gets to go watch Daniel Tiger now. Thanks be to God. Thank you for everyone who's stuck with us, and now we're going to have a, a sermon. And this is kind of the main part of our service today. Today we're finishing the story of Stephen. And I had written a sermon for today. I had actually written it a couple of weeks ago, and I had it all planned out. And the Lord threw out that sermon. <laughs> so today we have a different sermon. Uh, it hasn't happened very often in my pastoral ministry. I think this is probably the third, second or third time I've done this. Uh, but when I read my sermon, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right with everything going on in the culture right now. And uh, I just sensed that the Lord was telling me something different as I was uh, rereading the passage and thinking about um, you know, George Floyd and, and just everything that's happening. Uh, the unrest we're experiencing, the tragedy, the heartbreak, um, uh, the anger, the frustration, and what everyone's feeling, I just felt like I had to write a different sermon. Uh, you know, this week, uh, I felt pretty drained, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, this has been a draining week for me, and I'm sure it's been a draining week for many of you where you've felt those emotions, those strong emotions, one way or the other. And uh, I don't have the answers. <laughs> I don't have the answers. Um, but I sense the Lord is telling me something. And so, I'm just going to share what the Lord is telling me. Maybe he tells you the same thing. Maybe he tells you something entirely different. That's okay. I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit's going to say what he's going to say. Um, but this is kind of the posture that I feel like the Lord wants me to take. See, I am trying to take a posture of listening. I want to take a posture of listening. I'm going to pray and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that. Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be here. Help me to take a posture of listening first and foremost to you. Help me to share whatever you have given me. And um, I thank you for the things that you have been sharing with me. And help me to take that posture of listening, Lord. Would we hear from you? Would I hear, hear from you? And uh, just say whatever you want me to say. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if the Sanhedrin had listened to Stephen. Uh, if they had opened their ears and hearts, uh, maybe things would have turned out differently. Stephen was put on a trial for crimes he did not commit. The, uh, the, the, his opposition came and charged him with two things that he really hadn't done. That's kind of talk against the law of Moses, say that 
you know, Moses's law wasn't God's law, and then criticize the temple, say that the temple is going to be destroyed or we should get rid of the temple. And, uh, and Stephen didn't say those things, uh, but he was put on trial and uh, in response, he was given an opportunity to defend himself. And so he recounts Israel's history. And instead of talking about all the, you know, the highlights, the things that you would think would be smart to think about if you're uh, talk about if you're on trial, like here are all the good things, Israel, you've done. He talks about all the bad things. Uh, you know, he talks about a lot of these embarrassing moments uh, that show the nation of Israel kind of hardening their hearts. They they reject God's leaders again and again, Moses and uh, and others, Joseph, and then uh, they ultimately reject Jesus. That's kind of the point he's making. And the next point he's making is that uh, that God doesn't live in temples. God's presence did dwell in, a, in the temple for a period of time, but God's uh, temple is much greater than any earthly building. Uh, and he actually sort of accuses them of, uh, of um, implies that their temple has become a place of idolatry, a place of false worship, that they're, they're worshiping the temple instead of the one true God. Now, Stephen tells them all these things, I believe, so that they will repent, so that they'll change, so that they'll hear and do something different. Uh, that's what repentance means, just turning and doing something else. And yet they don't listen. They don't want to hear it. I want to take a posture of hearing. I want to listen. I don't want to turn against the Stevens of my day. See, I don't want to miss, I personally, I, Jonathan Romick, don't want to miss what some of my African-American brothers and sisters in Christ are telling me. They're telling me a story that I really don't uh, enjoy hearing. It makes me uncomfortable. They're telling me that they don't feel safe, that they don't feel secure, and they don't feel free. And they don't feel like they have a fair shot like I do. And then this story, you know, like this is making me uncomfortable. I don't, I don't want to compare myself to the Sanhedrin, I'd much rather be the Stephen in the story, right? I'd rather be the martyr, the martyr. I'd rather be the hero, but, but the Holy Spirit is saying, you're not, you're not Stephen. You're not the hero. Uh, you're, you're not even really the one who's, who's talking. Obviously, I'm talking right now, ironically. Uh, you're the Sanhedrin. You're sitting and you're listening and you're casting judgment. This, this is what God is saying to me, Jonathan Romick. Uh, and I sense the Lord telling me to take a posture of listening, to open my ears and to hear. Because many in the black community have something that I need to hear. They're calling me to repent. They're calling me to, to change course and it hurts to hear. They're saying that my silence as a believer, as a pastor, as a Christian, uh, as, a, as a white person has enabled sin and injustice in our culture and in our world. Uh, my heart is grieved for my sin. I want to hear. I want to hear the message. In his sermon, Stephen reminds the Israelites of their low points to call them to repentance. My brothers and sisters of Christ, in Christ of color, are recounting my history too. They have reminded me of 250 years of American slavery from 1619 to 1865. My, some of my black brothers and sisters in Christ have reminded me of the 89 years of segregation 
1954, and all the Jim Crow laws that disadvantaged them and their descendants. They have reminded me of redlining in the 1930s that prevented their grandparents from buying homes and transferring wealth to their children and grandchildren. And I found out that this, this took place in and around Boston as well. You can see a map of it online. They have reminded me of Eric Gardner's last words in 2014, I can't breathe. And how familiar those words sound today. They have reminded me of 12-year-old Tamir Rice, who was shot in a park gazebo where he was sitting all alone. He had an orange-tipped BB gun. I used to play with BB guns when I was his age, but obviously I'm still here. They have reminded me of Ahmad Arbery, who was jogging, of Breonna Taylor, who was sleeping, and now George Floyd, who made a mistake. I've jogged, I've slept, I've made mistakes, but I'm still here. They have reminded me that they are sick and dying from COVID-19 at higher rates than other Americans due to poverty and frontline work. See, I believe my black brothers and sisters in Christ are reminding me of these things because they love me and they hope I'll repent. It's hard for me to hear this. I don't want to be in the Sanhedrin. I want to be Stephen. The prophets never spoke kindly. They always spoke strongly. And they're speaking strongly today to me. I don't think I would have heard Stephen's message if I had been sitting in the Sanhedrin that day. I don't think I could have heard him because he didn't, he didn't say it winsomely. He didn't say it kindly. Acts 7, 51 through 53 says this, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him, you who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. I see Stephen pointing the finger at me, at me and saying, you stiff-necked, Jonathan. You've, you haven't helped us, our community, because of fear of man, not fear of God. God called the Israelites stiff-necked people in the wilderness. It was not a compliment. He called them stick-necked because they'd, stick stiff-necked because they'd rather worship a golden calf than him. They'd rather do things their way than God's way. I think it's ultimately, they would rather feel comfortable doing the old things that they were used to in Egypt, worshiping golden images than worshiping the one true God, than doing the new thing God was calling them to through Moses, and then through Jesus, and now through Stephen. See, I'm comfortable too. I'm so comfortable. I don't want to risk anything. I'm tired of being tired as you see, my, my, my golden calf is my own comfort. My golden calf is me, my ease. See, I'd rather sacrifice my black brothers and sisters in Christ on the, on the altar of my comfort than do anything that makes me feel at risk for them. That's idolatry. And Jesus is convicting my heart of my sin. And yet Jesus loved the people, the Son of God, God the Father, loved his people so much. He loved the Israelites so much that he sent them prophets 
over and over and over again. He sent them Moses. He sent them Miriam. He sent them Deborah and Elijah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Stephen. And he loves me so much that he sends me black brothers and sisters in Christ who can be prophets to me. My friend Manny. Another man I watched on a panel, Kenneth. These are black pastors that are asking for help. I want to hear them. I want to take a posture of listening because when I don't listen, when I don't listen, when I refuse to listen to what others have to say, it dehumanizes them and it dehumanizes me. See, when Stephen charges the Sanhedrin with stiff necks and killing the prophets and rejecting the righteous one, the, the Messiah, the anointed one, they refuse to listen. The Sanhedrin refuses to listen, and it dehumanizes them. Verse 54, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious, and they gnashed their teeth. They gnashed their teeth at Stephen like a, a pack of fanged wolves circling a, a dying and wounded deer. See, they become their true selves. What's inside of them is revealed, and it's not pretty. And I'm, I'm wondering if, if what's hiding in, my, in me is, is no different. <laughs> because when I don't li listen, my, my worst self comes out. That worst self just underneath the surface that's just waiting to make an appearance, that wolf comes out when I don't listen. <laughs> when I don't listen, a part of me comes out that I don't want you, my church family, to see. I don't want anyone to see. The Sanhedrin, they rush at Stephen they drag him out of the city. They drag him out like a dog. And they dehumanize him in that moment. So when we don't listen, when I don't listen, it dehumanizes myself and it dehumanizes others. I've noticed in my own heart when I'm upset with someone and I'm frustrated with them, the thing I, I, I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> I don't want to get close to them. I don't want to see them. Uh, you know, uh, and the further away I push myself from them, the more separation I allow from those that I am frustrated with, the more it dehumanizes them. The more angry I become, the more it dehumanizes me. The worse person they become. Instead, what I need to do is get closer and listen and just hear. Hear their heart. Hear their point of view. This is what God is telling me that I need to listen, that I need to take a posture of listening. And I, I'm really good at coming up with reasons why I don't need to listen to someone else. But all that does is dehumanize them and dehumanize me and, and separate us. So if you're listening to this sermon, you're listening to my story where I'm at, and you need to talk about it, come and talk with me. I want to hear your heart. I want to hear where you're at. I want to hear the things you're wrestling with. Maybe you're black, but maybe you work in law enforcement. Maybe you know someone or are someone who's been hurt by the protests. I don't know your story unless you tell me. I want to hear you. You are precious to Jesus. You're precious to me. And so I want to hear your heart. Maybe I'll see something I haven't seen before, right? Maybe I'll see Jesus. I want to see Jesus more clearly. Stephen looks up into heaven and he has this amazing vision of seeing Jesus clearly than any of us have ever seen Jesus. See, I want to listen because I want to see Jesus. Verses 55 through 56 say this, 
But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Don't you wish that you could see that? And I wish that I could see that. Stephen's vision is like Daniel's vision. It recalls this vision that the prophet Daniel has in the Old Testament when he looked up into heaven and he, and he saw this figure called the Son of Man sitting right next to the hand of the Father. I want to read you that vision from uh, Daniel 7, verses 13 through 14. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. Jesus called himself a son of man all throughout his ministry. The son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Stephen's audience, when they heard him talking about the Son of Man, seeing him at the right hand of God, they would have known about this passage. See, Jesus is standing next to the throne of God where God has given him all authority and sovereign power. We are all nations. That means all peoples of every language, of every color, of every ethnicity are standing before him. They're worshiping him as the one true God. See, and I believe right now that my brothers and sisters in Christ of color, they're having a vision of Jesus. And they've had a vision of Jesus, but I haven't stopped to listen. I haven't stopped to see the vision. I haven't stopped to hear the vision. Because I'm too busy. Because I'm too comfortable. See, they see Jesus as sovereign rule. They see Jesus on the throne. They see his dominion over all peoples. And they ask, am I not one of those peoples? Am I not one of the children of God? Am I not valuable? They have this vision of, of God. They have this vision of Jesus where they see how God has given Christ Jesus, all, all Christians, this ministry of reconciliation. That Jesus is the chief reconciler. Not just spiritual, oh, I can get my sins dealt with. Yes, that's true, but that should have a real effect in our life and in our world. They have this vision of a God who reconciles all things, all peoples, all systems, all brokenness. Jesus can right all wrongs, and one day he will. But in the meantime, we work for that. They, they have this vision of, of Jesus as the Son of Man. That means he's both God and he's man. That means he cares for the things of God, but he also cares for the things of man. Jesus hurts when I hurt. Jesus suffers when I suffer. Jesus suffers when... My black brothers and sisters in Christ suffer. They say that they've been suffering for so long, and so I just want to hear them. I want to listen because I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus in this moment. I don't want to get caught by, I don't want to get sidetracked by all the other loud noise. There's so much loud noise right now. The protests, the, the, the news commentary, everyone, uh, everyone's saying, here's how you should think about this, but I want to hear them. I want, to, I want to hear, I want to hear the, the Stevens of my day, the prophets, because I want to see Jesus. I want to be able to look up and see the king, to see the son of man and his will and his purpose in this moment. Verse 57, at this, 
the Sanhedrin, they covered their ears, and they yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. The Sanhedrin dragged Stephen out of the city like a lynching mob. They stone him. They tie him up. They drown out his voice so that they don't have to hear the message. I don't want to do that. I've been doing that by my complicity, by remaining silent. I want them to know that I hear and that I value them. See, I'm trying to listen because I want others to know their worth. I want others to know their worth. So one of the ways I've been trying to do that this week is by listening to um, uh, uh, speakers of color, um, either their sermons or panel discussions or podcasts. And I tried one podcast this week um, just so I could hear them directly in their voice. It's called Pass the Mic. It's a witness podcast. I guess the witness has a whole bunch of different podcasts. And it opened with a clip, this sermon that was just so convicting. And it was, a, it was a black pastor, and he was preaching. He said, people in power have historically diminished the image of God in people of African descent. Based on someone's skin color, they were deemed less human, less worthy of dignity. But the doctrine of the image of God teaches us that pigment does not determine personhood. And that resonated. That just it hit me like... I want to treat people like they are made in the image of God. I want to listen to them. I want to show them their worth because they feel dehumanized because they're saying, I have not listened. See, I believe in the, the doctrine of the Imago Dei, the image of God. It comes straight out of the first chapter of the Bible. Like this, is, this, 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 this chapter, Genesis 1, is key to how I need to interact and, 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 and treat other people. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. For some reason, God put in this, this first chapter, this image of God theology, so that like I would get it, so that we as humanity would get it, that people are made for a special relationship with him. They have this immense value, this immense worth. My son looks like me, right? Elijah, he's... He's so cute. It doesn't mean that I'm cute, but Elijah's so cute, right? But he's like made in my, my, my image. He's made in Monica's image, and that's why I love him. That's why I want to hear him. And I hope that my kids will listen to each other, that they'll recognize that, that each other are made in the image of God, and they're all part of the same family, and so they want to listen to each other. Well, that's, that's the message that I'm hearing today. I want to show my my black brothers and sisters in Christ, that they are made in the image of God, that they are made in the Imago Dei. And I can do that, I feel, by listening to them. And so I listened to a couple panels this week. I told you about that podcast, but I listened to two panels. The first one is called Let's Talk Racial Justice in the Church. And it had one black man, Kenneth Young, two, two white pastors, and a Korean man, a Korean pastor from our denomination, Sam Kim. They had so much great stuff in this. And they talked about the Imago Dei, the image of God. If you want to listen with me, I'm, I'm, I'm posting my sermon at 11.15 on our website. And you can click on the link if you want. The second panel that I listened to was Racism in the Church with Manny Daphnis, uh, Mark Lavarin, and Tim Bresnahan. Manny and uh, Mark are um, pastors or at least I know Manny is. Manny uh, and I went to 
Asia together and spent two years together in the Akinge Fellows program. See, I'm trying to listen to Kenneth. I'm trying to listen to Manny. I'm trying to, to listen to Mark. I'm trying to take a posture of listening. Monica and I, we watched a movie uh, together on Friday night called Just Mercy. And that's a hard story to hear. It's a hard story to listen. And it, it took place in the early 90s. And the sheriff in that movie just got out of office in 2019. This is still a real thing. That's what I'm hearing, that, that I need to realize that, and open up my eyes. This is still happening. I read this book, Just Mercy, a couple of years ago, and it, it really opened my eyes to things that I'd never taken the time to listen before. To before. Brian Stevenson, is the, he's the kind of the hero of the movie. He's the real person. He, he wrote Just Mercy, and he founded the Equal Justice Initiative that fights for justice for death row inmates. Before, I just assumed that all death row inmates are guilty because that's why they're on death row, right? Well, they're criminals. The Lord is opening my heart to new possibilities that maybe there's injustice. That one in ten people are wrongly condemned to death row. It's 10%. I read this book a couple years ago, and I just watched this movie, and it just kind of reshook me. I want to hear... I want to listen. I watched the first episode of a video study. This is on Amazon Prime for free called The Color of Compromise. It specifically deals with how the church has, um, has enabled racism. It's not fun to hear that. I watched the first session. They're all about 20 minutes, and there's like 10 of them, and it's good. I want to keep listening to it, but I don't want to, I don't want to listen alone. If there's anyone out there, if any of you are thinking, you know what, I want to, I want to hear too, please, like, call me or email me or text me and say, hey, let's watch that together and let's just discuss it. Let's learn together what we can do. Let's just process together. The elders and I are processing together. We just listened to a sermon that we sent to our church, you guys, called The Gospel and Social Justice by Tom Sparling. It's our hope that you'll take the time to listen and Try to listen like we're listening and try to listen like I'm listening. In it, he recommends three books. Uh, the Myth of Equality by Ken Watsma, One Blood by John Perkins, and Woke Church by Eric Mason. I own all these books. I've read One Blood by John Perkins, and um, if anyone else is interested in reading any of those books and discussing them, please let me know because I just want to listen. Maybe that's on your heart. Maybe you want to listen too. Uh, I ran across an initiative this week. There's just been so much that's just been blasted out on the internet called Justice in June. And the whole goal is just to take 20, 30, 45 minutes a day and learn about um, racism, learn about systemic racism, just open our hearts, open our ears. And so I've been trying to do that a little bit more this week. I, I can't say that I've done, you know, the, the time allotment per day, but I'm, I'm trying. Posting these links in my sermon if you want to check them out. On Wednesday, I did something that uh, made me feel uncomfortable. I attended the Westford for Black Lives Matter rally on the Westford Common. So it's not actually a Black Lives Matter chapter, just a Westford for that movement. Over 300 people attended. A lot of them had signs. Uh, and the speakers were really touching, really touching. They were all young uh, women, the ones that I heard. Um, probably in their 20s, people of color. Uh, one young lady talked about how in Westford, growing up there, she'd been called the N-word 
on her school bus and by her classmates. Uh, and she so appreciated how the teachers responded and the teachers explained that's not appropriate. Uh, she talked about how grateful she was for the Westford Police Department and how uh, a Westford officer actually invited her to attend the Westford for Black Lives Rally Matter. And they were there and uh, being such a support. Another woman uh, talked about how she was incredibly hopeful about this cultural moment, but tired and concerned that it would just die out and things wouldn't change. I hope that's not true. But I will say, as I was listening there, as I was listening and standing there, like I was trying to listen to myself too, and I felt uncomfortable. It wasn't normal to me to attend a Black Lives Rally event. So I had a lot of other voices in my head saying, this is, this is wrong or you shouldn't be there. But I wanted to hear what Jesus was saying. I felt like Jesus was telling me, just go. Just go and listen. Go and take a posture of listening. And so that's what I tried to do. Listening never hurt anyone, right? Uh, it hurt my ego, I guess. I want to be better at talking to my African-American brothers and sisters in Christ, my friends of all ethnicities and all colors. I, I, you know, I, I've heard multiple people this week say, it's okay to ask questions, to say, like, how are you doing? Have you ever experienced racism? Or what is it like being black or Asian uh, in this moment? Right? <laughs> and I don't, I don't get the message that um, they want to be coddled. It was just... Let's have a conversation. Let's joke. Let's laugh. Let's learn. And that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Taking a posture of listening doesn't have to be like this sad, sad thing. So I'm really trying to just embrace it. And I, and I get like, I'm going to stumble around. I'm going to say things that aren't right. But I'm just trying to listen. I'm just trying to learn because when I do, that shows the image of God in others. So I want to listen to you. Because I want you to know that you are made in the image of God. And so if there's anything that I say, you're like, I want to talk about that. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it face-to-face, -face, well, mask-to-mask, -mask, right? We're on the phone. Let's talk about it. Let's respect the image of God in each other. See, I'm hopeful that listening will help me see my sin and will help me repent. As I was thinking about Stephen's sermon and how the Sanhedrin responded, it reminded me of a different sermon. And that, like, I don't have to respond like the Sanhedrin. I don't have to close my ears and gnash my teeth and run away. I can repent. I can be saved. Acts 2.36, therefore, so Peter preaches right after Pentecost. He preaches to this crowd that Jesus is the Messiah and he's Lord, that Jesus is the anointed one. It's practically the same message as Stephen, that Jesus is God himself. He says this, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And the crowd responds completely differently than the Sanhedrin. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other, apostles, the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I want to be like them. Brothers, I am cut to the heart. What should I do? See, the crowds listen and it leads to life. I want to listen. I want it to lead to life. They hear, they recognize their sins, and they confess 
which is a little confusing because you know some of them probably weren't even there at the crucifixion. How can you how can you blame this massive crowd for crucifying Jesus? They weren't all there. Maybe some of them were there shouting crucify him. Chances are, you know, they they're not Pilate. Pilate's not in that crowd, and the chief priests, maybe they're in that crowd, but maybe they're not. For some reason, these people, these, these people in that crowd, they recognize their corporate guilt. Corporate guilt is when one person sins, we're all guilty of sin. And this message, Jesus told me this week, this week like the Bible has been reminded me through, uh, through my, my brother Sam Kim that, that this message of corporate sin and corporate guilt is inherent to the gospel. That if I don't believe in corporate guilt, if I don't believe in corporate sin, I don't believe in Jesus. Right? Because I share in Adam's sin. I wasn't there when Adam ate from that fruit, but I'm still guilty of, of disobeying God. And all sin, all, all, all forms of disobedience were just like wrapped up in that biting, uh, I said apple, we don't know if it's an apple, that fruit, right? <laughs> See, I'm guilty of Adam's sin, even though I wasn't there. And that means like, I'm guilty of racism, right? Whether or not I have committed racist acts, I'm guilty of racist sins before God because I believe in corporate sin that I don't have to be the one to directly do it to be held accountable. That's the sin of Adam. And that's the sin I feel right now in our culture in this moment. My brothers and sisters in Christ are saying, you're part of the problem. So I want to hear them. I want to begin to realize my own sins, but I can only do that. I can only understand my connection if I listen. And so I'm trying to listen so that I can pass from, from death to life, from the old Adam to the new Adam in Christ Jesus. See, in Christ Jesus, I am forgiven. I am whole. See, Stephen goes to a cross. It's a cross made of stone. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing him. Stephen is crushed by the weight of rocks. And while, he is, uh, while he is crushed, man, it makes me think of George Floyd. But while he is crushed under the weight of rocks, he prays, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Jesus prays the same thing at the cross. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I wonder if my black brothers and sisters in Christ have been praying this exact same prayer for me. Father, forgive him, because he does not know what he is doing. Saul was there. He approved of the killing. He was, uh, he was complicit. But Jesus had grace. Jesus had mercy. He appeared, like this vision appeared to, to Saul, and he repented of his sins, and he, he believed in Jesus. 
He became like the great evangelist, the, the minister of God's grace, that whoever repents and believes in Jesus Christ will be saved. Paul was transferred from the old Adam to the new Adam, Christ Jesus, no longer counted with Adam, but counted with the perfect lamb, the perfect Adam, Jesus. I want to be counted with Jesus. And I'm counted with Jesus through my repentance and belief in him. In Acts chapter 22, verse 20, Paul specifically recalls the blood of Stephen. He talks about the blood of Stephen. See, Paul was close enough that day that I think he could have hear, heard, heard Stephen's prayer and, and he saw Stephen's blood. I wonder if, if God somehow used that to soften Paul's heart. Paul, originally called, originally called Saul, heard something that he couldn't get out of his mind that Paul listened even though he didn't want to. My prayer is that this man's blood and the blood of Brianna Taylor and Ahmoud Arbery and, and anyone that my, 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 my friends of color think that I need to hear about, it's my prayer that their blood would soften my heart. That this death would lead to a greater awareness of my own sin and my own dependency and my own need for grace and forgiveness. See, Jesus was there with Stephen, and he is there with all who suffer and all who die. I want to take a posture of listening. I want to hear the Stephens of my day. I want to ask good questions. I want to amplify the voices of others. I want to be an ally of people of color. I want to take a posture of listening even if I hear things that hurt me or make me feel uncomfortable because Jesus loved me enough to die for my sins. Like that's what gives me courage to listen is because I know that my worth is not ultimately dependent on, on my sin, my racism, my racist acts. My worth is dependent on God's love for me, and that gives me courage to hear the truth. So that's all I want to do. I just want to hear the truth. I want to look at myself honestly, and I want to receive Christ's forgiveness. Those places where I don't allow him to see that I can't receive grace in those places. I don't want to be defensive. I just want to receive my Heavenly Father's love, that he calls me his child. My Heavenly Father is also helping me recognize that his other children are hurting. His other children of color, my, my black brothers and sisters in Christ, they are in pain. I want to hear them. I want to hear you. I want to take a posture of listening. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, help me to take this posture of listening. Help me to hear first from you, and then from anyone that you want me to hear from, especially those of the black community that are hurting so bad right now and have been hurting for so long. Lord, I confess that I haven't wanted to listen because it made me uncomfortable. I'm sorry, Jesus. Please forgive me. Please use me as a tool to, to do anything I can to add value. Lord, I pray for all lives that are at risk, whether it's black or unborn or, or uh, anyone else of any ethnicity, the elderly, Lord, I pray that we would all have a greater sense of our value in you and that you would use us 
you would use me to help bring healing and safety and wholeness to those around us, to those around me. Lord, I love you. I need you in Jesus Christ. Amen.